Hi there, this is Jess O'Reilly. I am Sex with Dr. Jess, your friendly neighborhood sexologist, and shouldn't every neighborhood have a sexologist? I don't know, maybe my neighbors would beg to differ. I am here, as always, to help you cultivate sexual compatibility so that you can have a happier, more meaningful, more loving relationship. And of course, compatibility is something that requires work. It is not about destiny. It is not about finding the right partner. It is about training your partner and training yourself to meet your partner's needs. It's that simple. Now today, I'm a little bit nervous, but a little bit excited because I have with me Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sex with Dr. <laughs> Jess. <laughs> the man behind the woman. The man behind the woman, but really uh, the man who stands beside me and beneath me and props me up, but not beneath me. <laughs> I want to be careful with where I'm standing. Yeah. Uh, my husband, Brandon Ware, my life partner, love my life, is with us. Brandon, say hi. Hey, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> oh, he's doing. I'm expecting a response. He's doing the Barry White voice. It's White Barry. <laughs> How you doing up there? Definitely white berry and not very white. <laughs> we are going to talk about our life because one of the top questions I receive after, hey, is it normal that I like to put this up my butt? And my the answer friend. is yes. Um, one of the top questions I receive is what, do your, what does your husband think about what you do? So babe, let's start there. We're going to be talking about how working in the field of, of human sexuality impacts our relationship and our sex life. I don't think we're going to get too graphic, nope. but um, ultimately your life changes when something that is so pleasurable and also so tied to your identity becomes your life's work. So I'm going to start with the Brandon. What do you think of, uh, of my job? I think it's amazing. I think there, the positives definitely outweigh the negatives. Where do I even begin? There are so many things that we've been introduced to exposed to as a result of your job that's good and bad <laughs> uh yeah it's it's a bit of both it exposed sounds uh, exposed um... maybe isn't the right word <laughs> maybe introduced to is the better is the better terminology i mean let's talk about uh, desire resorts that clothing optional resort down in the uh, on the mayan riviera yeah so i talk about desire a lot and uh it's not just because I work with them, honestly, it's because it, it was life-changing for me. And I've talked about how it changed the way I felt about my body. But I also know Brandon has told me that, and I don't think he told me in so many words, because the first time we went there, we were in our, our mid-20s. So it was 11 or 12 years ago. And <laughs> Brandon's getting close getting to 40. 40 to on. It's okay. You look younger. Yeah. And you act younger. <laughs> Maybe too young. But uh, I know that it changed the way you look at women. So maybe you can talk about that because the chance, the opportunity to go there is something that I think really I only was, in, was confronted or encountered because I'm working in this field. So how does being around naked people and being in a playroom where people are actually having sex change our relationship, the way you look at women, the way you look at me? It being a desire forced me to reconsider the definition of what sexy is. And what I mean by that is the first time we went down, I was terribly nervous. <laughs> I was, I won't lie. I was terribly uncomfortable for the first couple of days. Once I got down to my birthday suit. <laughs> it didn't take you it a didn't few take, days. Okay, maybe it didn't take me a few days. It took me a few hours. Once I got down to my, my birthday suit, I can tell you that it was liberating. 
it was very interesting to have a conversation with somebody on the beach when you're not wearing anything and uh, it changes the dynamic. Eyes up here, buddy. I, eyes up, eyes up. No, no, no. It was, it was great. But it, what it changed for me was the idea of what sexy is. So we're taught to look at the, and you know, look at fitness models, look at supermodels and to assume that that is the epitome of sexy. And when you go down there and you see somebody with a different body, somebody who's bigger, but who carries themselves with confidence. It's amazing how that makes them sexy. And that really changed my perspective and helped me uh, understand what it was that I didn't, didn't like very, like very much. Yeah. So I often talk about like magazine sexy versus innately human sexy. So everybody have feels, or most people feel this pressure to look like the cover of a magazine. And we also feel pressure to find a partner who looks like that, right? Mm -hmm. We think if we can get that partner, we should get that partner. But I think if you look at what we're naturally attracted to, it's a little bit different. And I saw your natural attraction <laughs> blossom well, in a that, different way. It changed too in terms of um, body types, age, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Confidence is, is king. Yeah, and, and that comfort, sounds cliche. And comfort is king too when you're comfortable in your skin. And it's such a hard thing for us to to learn mm -hmm. because I, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it too, where you want to look a certain way you, uh, because you're taught that that is the definition of sexiness. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was certainly life changing and yeah. something that has to do with being a sexologist. You probably wouldn't have been exposed to that if I wasn't working in this field. We also have, as we sit here in the home office, unlimited sex toys. <laughs> We've got a cover full of Wee Vibes, unlimited lube, unlimited sex books. So that changes our lives. But also, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, the way people interact with us has changed. So when you used to go to a cocktail party and they'd ask about what you do and Brandon's in real estate, so they might ask him about the market and projections or, or big developments. Now they just want to talk about the sex. I joke around that when we go to dinner parties, I tell people that they don't want to listen to what I have to say. And I introduce you as the sexologist. And then that leaves me alone with all the food and all the drink because no one gives you know, two, two hoots about what I have to say when they know that you're a sexologist. They can pour their heart out to you. But what it did do was it did um, – some people started in front of me disclosing to you some of their stories and problems. And we were launching a project once. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I And do. one of my old business partners started to tell us stories about – some iconic individuals in the, what would you say, in the field, adult of, field. Of, of adult, yeah, of adult film and, and magazines. Yeah, so this is an investment of event, a pretty formal, up, I'd say uptight, not the most fun business party I've ever been to. And this guy, probably in his late 60s, one of their investors, one of their business partners, starts talking to me about all these orgies he used to have back yeah. in the 70s, group sex, filming himself, and Brandon here just walked away. No, I, I listened for a few minutes and then I walked away and then I came back and listened a little bit more. So what's well, interesting again about how your job has changed our sex life is, is how it introduces you again to what other people have and haven't done. And even that normalizes behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think when somebody starts, when you hear these stories and you understand other people's perspectives and, and what they've experienced, it, it again, it normalizes and it creates comfort, I think, in, a, in an industry that otherwise generally we're taught is somewhat uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So because we hear so many different stories, 
were not particularly shocked. Although I was shocked when the pregnant lady asked me what position to use for, for DP. For DP. And yeah. I didn't even know what she was talking about because I was looking at this woman who was eight and a half months pregnant. But yes, she meant DP double penetration. And was... I thought, well, we're going to have to do some sort of a physical manipulation here to see what would work because everybody's belly is different. Anyhow, so we certainly are exposed to new things. People tell us their stories and that changes our sex life. But it also, I think there's this flip side where if you're exposed to all these things every day, they lose their luster and the taboo element dissipates. So sometimes it's just not as exciting. I don't know if you find that a dozen years in. Yeah, I would agree that some of the stories and some of the activities lose their luster. And I think because the topic can be or has been so taboo to discuss, when people don't have an opportunity to normally discuss it, get in an environment where they can discuss it, they're excited. And I'm not saying that I'm not excited to listen to your stories. <laughs> but, but he's not. <laughs> there are times when I don't want to always talk about it. And I think because of that, it it sometimes loses a little bit of its luster. And there's also the the pressure component of that where people expect you, me, or us for that matter, but me in particular in this case, to have discussions about how we always have, uh, or we have a mind-blowing sex life and all the incredible things that we've done. And, and to be completely candid, there are times when I don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. You've been away for three weeks or, or eight weeks traveling for work. I've launched a project or been extremely busy and don't really feel like having a discussion about some crazy new sex club or you just want to cuddle I, 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 no, I don't know yeah <laughs> I want to be the big spoon I just want to be the big spoon I want to be the big spoon I want to Netflix and chill but actually chill. chill yeah but just you chill. know what chill means right yeah, no, I oh, know okay. what you're thinking. Brandon's not a millennial I'm, I'm, like me. I'm not 90. Thank you, though. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's so true. So, you know, when we're not in the mood for sex, there is this pressure because we're supposed to always have this crazy, wild, hot sex life. And sometimes it really is. There's been points in our relationship. We're 16 years in. Yeah. Uh, we're coming up on 16 years on Saturday. No, no. Is it in a few weeks? I, I don't know. I don't know the anniversary date. Brandon's oh, better one. at those good things yeah. than me. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, there is a pressure. There's a pressure for you as a guy. Yeah, I think people expect me to talk about mind-blowing sex at every turn. And the truth is, is it's great. But there are points when it's not. You've... And people are surprised when I talk about insecurities, mm -hmm. when I talk about a lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. Some of these things that I think most men experience but are afraid to talk about. And I... And, and they're for some reason surprised when I disclose to them or to a group of, of men or men and women that this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And it's, I guess the word is surprising. They're just surprised that at every turn, our sex life, sex life isn't mind-blowing, swinging from the chandeliers. Well, yeah, I think they're also surprised that we fight because we definitely fight. Yeah, we've had a few different <laughs> right. and discussions. Right, and I guess I don't always talk about the specifics of the fights. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to think if there's one I can share right now. But certainly something you said to me last night. I think night. it was when I was right last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, one thing is I, I'm passionately in love with Brandon. I just love him. I think he's the greatest thing ever. But when I'm mad at him, I never want to see him again. 
Like pretty, I swing. Uh, it's, pretty it's, it's all or nothing. That's what you said about I me said last, that night. last night. Yeah, what I is did. It you said? I said that in the heat of the moment, you're extremely short-sighted. <laughs> <laughs> and not that I am not the same, but we each have our faults. And but for I'm me, you're, you're very short-sighted when we get into arguments. <laughs> and, and, and I have a, um, I, it sounds terrible, like say control, but I need to control my emotions when we get into an argument where I get to a certain boiling point and at which point if the, if the argument hasn't been resolved, I kind of flip a switch. Yeah, so I have to be switch. cognizant <laughs> of kind of where I'm at and my, uh, and my, my, um, I guess just how I'm feeling at the moment so that I don't kind of fall over the edge. Yeah. And I guess that you're right. It's funny. Cause last night when we were just chatting and we were in a good mood, Brennan, I had said something about me being one of emotional extremes. And he said, yeah, you can be short sighted in a fight. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting because it's really helpful that you say that to me now when I'm not pissed at you. <laughs> no, I don't, there's a learn, it's a learning moment, right? To say like, okay, so I can offer some constructive criticism when we're not in the heat of a, mo of a fight. Now, if you said to me in a fight when I'm mad. Hey, you're being short-sighted. Oh my god! I think that will go over really well. Yeah, I would grab this can of lube right here yeah. and just toss it across the room. So, um, so to get back to it, there is some pressure and we need to overcome that pressure. And uh, there is a little, I don't want to say boredom, but there's this luster that loses its intensity over time when you're exposed to these things all day, every day. Like sometimes at a dinner party, I think, can I just be a dentist? And someone asks me about their teeth. Cause if they ask me one more question about our sex life and that's the other thing, people intrude into our sex life, don't they? Yeah. Because of what you do, I, I think that there is a, the, the belief that nothing is off limits. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not allowed to get uncomfortable. Yeah, or that, or that you always want to talk about it. And I know that you do, you're, well, you're very passionate and I know that you enjoy helping people. And the biggest thing for me is normalizing behaviors when you start, when you have the ability or the opportunity rather to speak to somebody mm -hmm. and to say to someone, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're fantasizing about isn't unnatural or isn't unnormal, then all of a sudden people feel more comfortable. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't are, always want to do that. Sometimes getting, I just want to talk about the wine and the steak. We or tofu. Getting, tofu. So we, we go are, to tofu parties. No, we do not. <laughs> so we're getting a hot topic. But what I was going to say is the positives definitely outweigh the negatives. Mm -hmm. the, um, our sex life is, is great. We go through the same ups and downs that I think everybody else goes through. Yeah, and it's not always great. No, but I'm saying, but that's what sometimes I mean. You like suck, there right? are, are you <laughs> no, I suck. I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I have my moments where I'm consumed with work or I'm consumed with other things that distract me, and it it there are times when it's challenging. But I think those are the same challenges that most people experience. It's just when do you hear? When do you hear about them? You don't talk to your best friend, or maybe you do. But most people, I don't think, have discussions with large groups of people about, hey, you know, we're going through some ups and downs, and right now we're going through a series of downs. Is this normal? Right? Yeah. All you hear about is, are the people who, you know, learn great sexual techniques that'll blow your mind. And yeah. those are great. Those are important. And people always tell you when good. they get laid. They don't tell you when they don't get laid. No. Or when last night I had sex and it was a three out of ten. Yeah. Right? Like, no, you don't hear about that. Three? I thought it was, it was at least a six. It was at least a six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a seven. I think Brandon summed it up really nicely that most of the challenges we face are similar to what I think any couple faces. We, we struggle with... Um, making sex happen sometimes because we lead busy lifestyles and I think both of us have to do some small mindfulness activities when we get into bed like what I do to relax 
involves cloud breathing. So I picture a cloud. I don't know if it sounds cheesy to you, but it really helps for me and it only takes like two minutes. I picture a cloud and I breathe in and the cloud gets smaller and then I breathe out slowly and the cloud gets bigger. And just visualizing that for me is centering and it takes me away from all the stuff I'm talking about all day, right? Because I hear a lot of people's problems and it can be pretty emotionally taxing and I can come home in a bad mood. So mindfulness helps. Um, and then also, you know, you, you all probably have heard of my TED talk, the, the monogamish approach. And I think that to keep things exciting, we definitely look at other people and talk about other people and fantasize and make that a part of our more monogamous sex play. So we're just with each other, um, but we're thinking about other things sometimes and we're sharing in each other's pleasure. And I think that ability to say, hey, like Brandon's a 10, it's annoying actually. Brandon's actually an 11, it's so annoying. And he wakes up like this. Uh, you guys see pictures of me on Instagram and I'm like, yeah, but that is a lot of you know filtering and makeup. Brandon just wakes up like this. But I've also seen him thousands and thousands of times. So there's <laughs> things that are, that are exciting because they're new. Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate that you think that I look that way, <laughs> as opposed to all those times where you say I wake up and look like the the um, Shrek. The, okay, Shrek. <laughs> I was gonna say the guy in the wedding singer with the swollen face. Yeah, you do look yeah, like that. That's yeah. true. But, but now, I mean, I'll post a picture of Brandon, or just go to my Instagram, Sex with Dr. Jess, and you'll know what I'm talking about. The man doesn't need a filter. Uh, we are out of time. That wasn't as bad as uh, Brandon thought it would be. No, it was a lot of fun. I just am not the expert that you are. So I'm yeah. giving my anecdotal, you know, experience and, and advice. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to take my advice, <laughs> it's probably better not to. You guys can follow Brandon on Instagram. Give them your Instagram too. Yeah. I'm where in Toronto, Brandon. Yeah. Where is W-A-R-E? Cause that's his last name. So you can, you can stack that guy. Uh, folks, I have to go. This is sex with Dr. Jess. Thanks so much for tuning in to this definitely special episode. Let's see if it makes it to air. I would mic drop and walk away, but it doesn't have the same effect. Yeah. Plus I had, to, I had to pay for this mic. So I don't need this mic drop folks. Follow along at sex with Dr. Jess. Thank you so much. Wherever you are in your relationship, in your sex lives, feel good about it. No apologies, no need to meet anybody else's standard. You are beautiful. You rock. I will talk to you next week.